Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry, feathered, or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hello and welcome, listeners, to episode 121 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, where too much talking to pets is barely enough. I'm Dr. Robbie Anderton, and I'm joined by someone who this week has started the veterinary freedom and liberty movement, inspired by ordinary real-life warriors claiming their civil liberties and human rights are being hampered by having to wear face masks in public due to the pandemic. And he started to bring these ideals into the veterinary landscape. He's now advocating the choice of not using gloves when squeezing anal glands, using taste instead of a microscope to diagnose ear infections and cleaning his hands by licking them like a cat prior to eating his lunch. Coming to a social warrior media video near you soon, it's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you going? Oh, I'm fantastic, Robert. Oh, I like that intro. That's a good one. That's actually, one of my best. I don't want to blow too much smoke up my own bum, mate. But I reckon that's a pretty. That, I reckon that was a pretty good one. Tight. Very enjoyable. But but I did I did actually work with a vet for a while that used to use the the nose in the in the uh, for the ear infections to determine what, what, you know. Oh. Yep, that's that's a yeast infection there for sure. Here, have these drops. You know, yeah, not not scientific, but. Ah. Uh, and, and and often a good way to get a like a nosocomial infection, nosecom. What is it? Nosocomial infection. Nosocomial infection. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah great up, way to get up your nose as well. Yeah. Exactly. I, I was- I was speaking to someone that said the same thing once. He was a, um, a, an, an old-timey vet I spoke to yes. at a conference a few years ago. And he said, oh, yeah, you know, I, um, you know sometimes I'll, I'll just smell it and you know, give it a little taste. It's like, oh, you, that's what you got a microscope for, mate. Come on. Yeah, you're bringing the rest of us into disrepute. Um, wow. So- well, taste. I've heard of this doc- doctors in the olden days for diabetes having a little taste of your of a certain sample you might give just to check for sugar levels. Yeah, but right. I'm pretty sure we've, we've gone past that. We're under dipsticks now, which is... Now, which now, is it's like, only, now it's only the dipsticks that are tasting the urine yeah, rather exactly. than using the dipsticks in the urine. Yeah. Dipsticks that are sniffing the noses. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right, now, 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 little... Uh, a little the, it's the 1st of August today. It is. Oh, yes. Isn't it? Well, it's a, it's a couple of days early, but for... No, a little Reuben. No, well, well you Reuben. Oh, Reuben's birthday. Well, mate, I was actually more thinking of the horses. Oh, it is the happy birthday for the horses. Yes. You're right. Yes. But lovely, you remembered your son's birthday. <laughs> Sorry about that. Take your thunder, <laughs> Reuben. <laughs> it's um, it's often the thing that I've thought. You know, when um, because you know, uh, listeners outside of Australia may or may not have heard of um the Melbourne Cup. You know, the the race that stops a nation, <laughs> right? That's, that's always been run on the first Tuesday in November, but it's the basically just means that because it's a public holiday in Melbourne, a lot of people then just take the Monday off work as well. So they end up with a, a four day weekend. And my contention's always been, well, why don't they just put the Melbourne cup on the Monday? It's fine. You know, if, if we've managed to convince every horse in Australia that their birthday is on the 1st of August, we can change the Melbourne cup as well. The horses aren't going to know no. because they're only horses. You know, yes. this is this is we this is a perfect opportunity for us to be able to try and get this through. But anyway, well, have you got any plans? Podcaster. That's why I'm a podcaster, not a not a politician. Well, any plans to change Christmas Day, mate? At all? You got that? that you know, oh, yeah, yeah, but that's not a you know. <laughs> 
we've got a, we got a, a, a lot of a lot of listeners that you know. Uh, and, and I'm not going to. I do have some ideas for that, Lewis. But you know, not this isn't the time of the place. That's my other podcast. You're a real so, trailblazer, trailblazer, mate. New Year's Day next, Oregon. New Year's Day next. The next one oh, change for sure. Yeah, I mean, New Year's Day is often on a, often on horrible weather. So I think we should just look at it and just make sure it's on a nice day. I like that. It sounds good. What's going to happen this week? Um, so, uh, you know, as part of the, uh, the, the the lockdown that we've got going through at the moment here in Melbourne, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of times where we're just trying to keep our essential shopping going on, Lewis. So, you yes. know, you're only only going and buying the essentials. So, um, but I, I've essentially got a dirt backyard. So, so there's a lot of things that I essentially need to try and stop my <laughs> essentially dirt backyard from being dirt to being something else. So, I went to Bunnings the other day, and you know, had the mask on and all that sort of stuff. And I'm walking out, and the guys looked at me, going, "Excuse me, are you Dr. Robbie?" And I well, as a matter oh. of fact, I am, sir. Yes. Was it? Was it? Was it the T-shirt with the the Doctor Robbie on the back? Was that? Did that? Was that the giveaway? Well, there was there was that, and um, that, it turns out he was a um. I thought, no, surely this isn't someone that's you know that's following the podcast. I mean, we you know we're doing all right, but I don't think we're at that point <laughs> where I'm out at the Mentone Bunnings and someone's you know rec- recognizing me, you know, sort of mask. But no, it was a guy that used to be a client of ours. Oh, wow. <laughs> Let's move down into the area. He's gone. I thought it was you. You know, I haven't seen you for years. Oh, Fantastic. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. How are you going? Oh, yeah. No, good. The rabbits are doing well. I go, oh, that's good. You know, <laughs> the rabbits, the cat, the cats are doing well. That's good. You Thank know? your mother for the rabbits. Did you then yeah. walk into Bunnings and over the loudspeaker, they were playing the two vets talk pets podcast. You know? Oh, absolutely. Adam Zwar came on over yes. the loudspeakers. It was great. You know, but then I went in and I started trying to say, why do I, why, why do I have to wear a mask? Don't you know who I am? And then, <laughs> oh yeah. You know, that, 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 that didn't that go, go down, down too well. Yeah. Lead balloon. Speaking of the, the interesting, you mentioned the t-shirts. We sent off one to decal gal during the week. Or yeah. Maybe a couple of weeks ago. And it finally arrived to her. And there's been a little bit of an error that I, I don't know how I actually got a drop ship through a company yeah. and, uh, and she ended up, I thought she was getting the t-shirt with the logo on the front, playing on the back. She put it on, sent a photo in. Yep. Says Dr. Robbie on the back. Hey! <laughs> I've got my own personal merch out there now, yes. Lewis. That's all right. So, but there's an imposter there now over in, in, in South Carolina <laughs> grooming, grooming the dogs. Dr. Robbie. So sorry about that, uh, uh, Suzanne, but um, it's, That's uh, right. it's, I think it's an indication just to have busy we might have been a little bit lately. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, um, I actually wanted to uh, just have a chat. I had a, um, had a client in this week uh, who had a, that a Frenchie that had um, a luxating patella, so uh, dislocating kneecap. Jeez, um, is, that, is that rare in, in Frenchies, is it, Lewis? It's par, par for the par mill, for the mate. course, yeah. Par for the course, par, par, par yeah. for the course. Run of the mill, par for the yeah. course. Run of the course. Yeah. No, no, no nose and no patella groove. Yes. Yeah. And so we, we, we were sort of talking about it and the owner had been discussing, you know, what, what it was and you know, what can we do and how do we fix it? We've talked about it on podcasts before. The interesting thing was, and it was a really sort of highlighted for me, the importance of pet insurance because um, oh, okay. um, we were sort of chatting and they'd actually lost their job, unfortunately, with COVID. Um, they're in hospitality. Um, right. And so sadly, they'd lost their job. And so they were sort of you know, saying, well, and, you know, unfortunately you lost job. And I was saying, well, the only really thing we can do to fix this knee is actually to have surgery. Yeah. And they were like, mm, yeah, we're really short of money. And then they said, but we've got pet insurance. And I said, perfect. 
Yeah. You should be, you know, totally covered depending on your level of cover yeah. to have that done. You know, you could takes away the worry of, you know, finding that couple of thousand dollars to, to fix that knee. Mm. Um, and so it just shows that even in the sort of tough times, things like pet insurance can just help owners that little bit um, that, um, that uh, I guess, you know, pet sure is a, is a sponsor of us as well, but it's just, it's really highlighted to me that um, um, just, just how much, stress i guess owners go through if they if they maybe haven't got insurance or haven't got the, the means and something happens um that that takes away that ability to look after their pet the best they can yeah i i think uh i think i might have mentioned him on the pod before we've got a um a nine-year-old uh, blue healer at work and, and he literally has got arthritis in every joint we've got a name for yeah um, he's also gets um ear infections skin allergies he's got um his, his back's basically completely fused he's had um uh he's had uh pneumonia um he's had all these all these and the owner would not be able to pay for like he's insured and i'm sure that you know i don't want to mention his name because i don't want him to cancel the uh, can, you know, uh because it, it literally if it wasn't for the insurance um the owner would would have had to put him to sleep years ago because yeah. of the cost the yearly costs of his treatment he's on multiple pain relief uh, multiple pain relief medications he's um oh that's right he's also got um cushing's disease oh wow. so, he's, so he's on trilostane as well so you know he's got several major he's got a great quality of life he goes for walks he sees his friends out on the you know so he's um he, we're able to manage his diseases well enough that he's still got a good quality of life so it's not like we're keeping him going just for the sake of it he's he's doing really really well but if it wasn't for that there's no way the owner would have been able to afford for his treatment so yeah so that's one of those times of where you know, you, you take out insurance hoping that you don't need it but when you need it gee is it's good to have it yeah and i think we've all got those sorts of cases it's and it just highlights me i suppose there's maybe even more now with the COVID stuff going on and people unfortunately losing their jobs yeah for sure um yeah, I saw. Also saw um, during the week a, a dog wearing a prong collar. Do you have you heard of a prong collar, mate? Uh no, 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 so, no. So basically, a prong collar is uh, it's just a larger dog. is It's like a choker chain, um, which I'm not a fan of anyway. But a choker oh, chain. Oh, hang on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. It's got a little. Pokies. Yeah, so, so a choker chain, essentially, when you pull on a choker chain, it just keeps tightening and tightening and tightening and choking, essentially. Yeah. The prong collar has a choking effect, but also when you pull on the collar, it has these uh, sort of barbs or uh, prongs, I suppose, for a better word, um, that um, that poke into the neck of the dog and and is, is a punishment-based thing and a really quite a barbaric sort of means of, of control. And, uh, and the interesting thing was, um, uh, I said to go, Oh, you've got a prong, you've got a prong collar on, on the dog. Um, and he said, Oh yeah, I've come over from WA, you know, all the, all the police dogs over in WA use them. And, and, uh, facetious me said, Oh, he's a, you're a policeman, eh? (laughs) No, no, not a police. (laughs) Oh, okay. So, right. So he's not a police dog. Um, and I said, I think they're actually illegal in Australia and in, in Victoria and, yeah. uh, and sure he wasn't listening to me. He was going on about what he was. And so I got up the legislation on the, on the, on the Google machine, RSPCA started reading it out to him and said, uh, said, Oh no, yep. It's, uh, it's illegal to Im- uh, import them, uh, in Australia and illegal wow. to use them in Victoria. And, um, and he, he said, Oh no, well, I don't know where I got it when I was in Perth sort of thing. And I, said, <laughs> I, just, I highlighted to him that. 
Well, that's fine. I'm not really here to tell you where you bought or where you didn't buy it, but, um, but you're actually not meant to use those in Victoria. They're actually illegal. Um, and I sort of told the nurses about it and they were jumping on the Oh, you know, we've got to report him and that sort of thing. And I said, no, we let's give him a chance to, to take do the it right off. thing. Yeah. Get yeah. home. Yeah. Get home with the collar, whatever, do the right thing, take it off. And, and if we see him again next time, maybe we'll, we will need to do something about it. So if you're listening and you've got a prong collar and you're Victoria, please take it off. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, what's it, it, is there any sort of, has there ever been any, um, any, any person of, of, you know, vet or something that have said that, hang on, these things are a good idea, or is it really just the people that are looking at a, a punishment based training method, just trying to think, well, if a little bit of pain causes it, you know, uh, we get a response, maybe more pain will get us more of a response. Is that the, you know, sort of the reasons for it? I mean, it just, it just beggars, it's like with, um, you know, cowboys wearing their, um, the little studs on the backs of their boots. You know, it's just, yeah, the spurs. Yeah. It's just, it's just, as you say, barbaric. Well, it is. I think, I think certainly in days gone past, it was more popular to use bunny punishment based techniques. And actually I'll probably, I'm probably less of a fan of a choker chain than I am of a prong collar, to be honest. And that might sound very, very bizarre. But the thing with the prong collar is despite the prongs that poke into the neck, it just gets to a point where it actually stops choking. So it, it has a re- reaches an end point. Yeah, it has an end point. Whereas a choker collar, you can keep pulling and pulling and pulling on that and keep choking and choking the dog. So I think that's, um, you know, so in the same vein, I, I think choker collars and, and prong collars really don't have a place in, in modern day dog training because have, we have means that are of, of doing the exact things that we're trying to do with the choker chains and the prong collars um, that we can now do with the you know, positive reinforcement, food rewards, lots of different ways. Um, but, but certainly, you know, if your dog's pulling on the lead, we've got other ways of handling that than using a choker chain or, or a prong collar. So uh, I guess it, it comes from a bit of an old, old fashioned time. Um, and certainly I would look at um, any trainer that's using those types of collars uh, as old fashioned is pretty, pretty yeah. much not up to date with the latest scientific knowledge. So, um, and, and, and thinking that if that's their, their recourse of trying to get control of these animals, maybe we need to think about what advice it is that they're giving. Are they giving you the best advice or are they just using a very, very, you know, hang on, this is a very streamlined opinion on the way of trying to do training. Yeah. Well, the thing is there's numerous studies that show punishment based training techniques, worsen anxiety, um, mm. increased chances of, of aggression. Um, don't improve things. Um, there's, there's numerous studies about that. So it's a really, it is, it is something that um, you know, a lot of people still do use the choker chain and I, and all, uh, um, you know, when I see them in the clinic and I, um, I don't say anything to them. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, and there a lot of people are about, oh, if you use it correctly and this and that, well, I think you can use other things more correctly and, and, and um, much more humane. But yeah. there we go. There's my hey, soapbox, mate. Just, just before you hop off the soapbox, was there a point where in your um, sort of early, you know, behaviour days where you would try and talk people out of those collars all the time before, and then you just got beaten into submission of people just not listening to you? Or have you always sort of played that, I'll, I'll talk to you about it if you want to talk to about it because then you might actually listen. But if you're the sort of person that's doing it straight off the bat, you're probably not going to listen to me anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you spot on, mate. If someone, you know, if you got me out to your home to do a behaviour consult and we're talking about what collar do you want 
should I use on my dog? Happy to happy to give you the advice, no worries. But it's that sort of similar thing that a lot of people just get their back up if you just straight out go in and say, Don't use that, you should be using this. They you know, they'll yeah, you know, it's like the raw food sort of stuff or something something equally as controversial. Um, grain free foods, anything like that. You, you, I think I don't know about you, mate, but um, you know, unless I'm seeing an issue or or something um, some damage done to the animal or some health issues, then I generally I'll just say, well, you know, um, I really don't want, I don't, I don't need that sort of, um, backup and, and, uh, and, um, confrontation that potentially yeah. comes from me, me bringing it up. Yeah. If I, I, did, I did with the bronco today. I thought, oh, yeah, that, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's got some legislation behind it. We might, we might mention that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you've, I mean, that's the thing. If intervention's required, you intervene. But if intervention's not required for what you're saying, it's like, okay, right, this isn't a, this isn't a battle that I need to have. Yeah, it's kind of like if someone says, oh, I use tea tree oil in my ear, dog's ears, or I put vinegar in the apple cider vinegar. You're like, well, don't do that. Straight yeah. out. Yeah, I have Straight to say out. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, having trouble, the dog's pulling on the lead, the choker doesn't work. Well, okay, let's try this. Happy to do yeah. that. But, uh, but yeah, no, no, definitely. So, speaking of, uh, of of saying things to owners and getting their uh, getting their backs up, I had a um a, a bit of a you know not a faux pas, Lewis, but just you know I sort of it didn't didn't read the room properly the other day. Um, I had a a, a client bring in a a cat, a new little kitten that they um that they just picked up, and it was about uh, it's about fourteen weeks old, and um uh, it's you know oh, oh here's your here's your kitten, oh yeah, now the kids are all really excited, oh, that that's terrific. Um, now what's um you know, and they said, oh look, now we've just found out from the breeder that it's ninety percent ragdoll. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. Oh, okay. Now, oops, you know, oops. it's, it's been a little while since I've done, um, you know, fractions and school and things like that, but I'm still pretty sure that 90% is very difficult to work into the halves, quarters, eighths, sixteenths that normal familial lineage follows down. Um, so I said, Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So 90% ragdoll. That's, um, that's, that's, that's interesting. I had a little bit of a chuckle and the owner had a bit of a chuckle too. And I said, yeah, cause it's, Sometimes you find these times of where people have, have, have spoken to breeders and the breeders have said that it's half ragdoll or three yeah. quarters ragdoll or something. And, um, you know, you look at it and it's a domestic shorthand, you know? <laughs> yes, um, yes. And I said, but much like you're okay. So, so here's this one. You've been told that it's 90% ragdoll and it's just it really just looks like a, a, a long haired, dark tabby cat. And he's <laughs> gone, really? And I got, Oh, oh dear! Oh, hang on! I th- I thought we were having the same joke here. Oh, <laughs> I thought we had this little tete-a-tete going. Of, doesn't matter. Oh well, look at in the end, it doesn't really matter what sort of cat your cat is. Your cat's your cat, and it's going to have its own personality and all that sort of stuff. But you're not going to take it back now. No, and, no. and you're not going to get a refund on that three grand you paid either. No, for the 90 percent ragdoll. But yeah, no, it's a really really nice charcoal looking medium head tabby cat that's 90 percent ragdoll have you um, googled ragdoll did you say have you have we looked at images of ragdoll what we're expecting to see maybe that's the 10 percent that's yeah. missing from it lewis it know? must be it yeah. must be of a dark 10 percent gene that made it that brown color yeah. but internally internally it's all ragdoll but on the outside it's just got a little bit of yeah that's that's a very strong 10 percent that it had it's only the appearance that's not ragdoll. Yeah, that's right, Robert. Otherwise, <laughs> that's it is the, absolutely a ragdoll. That's it's the like, 
It's, it's like me, right? I'm, I'm a bodybuilder inside, an absolute bodybuilder. It's just the 10% on the outside that makes me look like a, a middle-aged man. I'm the it's, same, mate. I'm 90% a male model. Totally with you there. <laughs> you got all the bits of a male model, right? It's just the outside physique that's it's, just not quite there. It's the 10% of what I look like that means I'm not. <laughs> oh, geez. It's, it's that brutal oh, 10%, isn't it? So anyway, there you go. So that was... um. Yeah, yeah. Usually, my um, my my radar is usually pretty good, Lewis, at being able to pick up on times wow. of when of, of when the the, um, the the owners are coming along with me on the joke. And this time, I was, I was maybe a little, uh, uh, yeah, a little mistaken. But oh, anyway. very good, very good. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Our big thank you to uh, to Zilkeen, uh, supporters of the podcast. Um, the mild anxiety lowering medication, uh, really good for. Uh, for dogs and cats with with some mild anxieties, actually, we've got a little uh, a little uh, chat from Nicole from uh, Vetakino, actually, who make the Zilkeen product. We might have a little chat about that later. She's got a cat um, that we've helped uh, with one of our previous podcasts. So, so big thank you to Zilkeen. Um, we lost a we lost Anthea this week. She moved on to another job. So, Anthea, if you're still listening, hope all, everything's going well. Thank you very much for your support. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and. Uh, and also our other supporter, Delicate Care. Delicate Care, yes, the Australian-made, Australian-owned pet food. Uh, you know, we're all Australian ingredients, Lewis. It's made over in Western Australia. They may not allow our footballs to come back, but they certainly allow their food to come over. So, and uh, got some great, uh, great range in the dog uh, side of things. They've got their sensitive skin, sensitive stomach, mobility support, weight management, and some dental treats. Um, there's uh, there's some cognitive support coming, Lewis, which will help me from uh, keeping on forgetting all different types of parasites and things because that happened to me this week as well um and for the cats who got the uh the skin and sensitive stomach one but i do believe that the dental diet has now hit the market too yeah, it is so, it's, at, it's definitely out there now that's right and that's what that's what emeritus professor nick costa's pudding is on isn't it he's uh the 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 nutrition expert that we chatted to a couple of episodes ago he's yes. got his cat pudding on it hasn't he loves it, it yeah pudding yeah. loves it yeah, yeah. yeah, along with the chicken wings and the the mints and other things that he feeds other things that, 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 perhaps not quite right. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that necessarily comes out of the delicate care. But hey, you know, what what are you going to do? I'm sure. I'm sure. Sometimes Pete Evans has not activated almonds as well. Ooh, geez. Oh, jeez, controversial! Whoa. Whoa, we're bringing Pete into the picture. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow, throwing some shade, throwing yeah. some shade. Um, and also, also thank you very much to our Patreon supporters. Um, uh, it's, uh, we know that these are pretty hard and rough times um, all over the world. Uh, and so for the, those Patreon supporters that help to uh, support our podcast, we really, really thank you guys. Um, if you'd like to go and see what your options are, you can go to patreon.com, search for Two Vets Talk Pets. Um, and for a, uh, a little bit of money, you can help us to uh, keep, the, keep the podcast going, keep the website up, keep uh, our internet going and all that sort of stuff um that we really appreciate it if you can't send us a nice review that's nice too um you know lewis will get you a sticker or, or the decal gal from south from yes. uh, from socal dr She'll robbie say, yeah yeah Over uh, in uh, so, south south carolina south there. carolina yeah yeah, yeah. You, you might you might get yourself your own dr robbie t-shirt as well 
Yes. <laughs> Actually, Rebecca but, uh, Duffy, who uh, we spoke, we did a, answer a question for a couple of weeks ago on Patreon about Dakota moving home and adjusting to the new house and fencing, I think it was as well. She, she wrote in saying, thank you for all the advice in the previous episodes. Extremely helpful as Dakota adjusted to the new house. He looks right at home already. Thanks again, Robbie and Lewis. And please... When is Deb going to come back? Yeah, I know. How, I know. Have you seen yeah. that? Do you yeah. see that post, no, mate? I, yeah, yeah. I, I've stopped looking at the emails just because <laughs> of the number of people that keep on asking for when uh, uh, for, for when Deb's coming back. So, well, decal you know. gal said, is there an option of a Dr. Deb? Book? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> that'd be all right. That'd, yeah, that'd T-shirt okay. and all. Yeah. 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 Now, this week in the news, there's been a bit of COVID stuff. We haven't talked about COVID for a while. Oh, is that still going on? Is it no, that, that thing? Yeah. Does anyone yeah. know about COVID? <laughs> what, for those who haven't been heard, there's a virus, a pandemic, worldwide pandemic. Yeah. For, for those listening to our back catalogue in 20 years' time, you know, yes. when, when we've finally had a chance of forgetting about COVID. When we've all rid, got rid of it and we're vaccinated, hopefully. And we've turned happens. into zombies because the vaccine turns uh, us into the brain, you know, brain-munching, walking is, dead. Is that you, Pete Evans, again? Are you back? Oh, no, but the Pete. activated almonds will save uh, you, though. Eve Black and Pete Evans, your best mates, aren't they, those two? <laughs> All right. Now, so this was this is in the age that my dad sent me. Thank you very much, Dad. Sorry about the the long episode we had the other week and we talked to <laughs> Professor Costa that, that took you a week to get through to, yeah. to listen to. We just didn't want to rush him because he's a, you know, he's an older fella, Prof Costa. And so we don't want to, you know, do you want to have to rush him? Well, he is. What? Well, half his luck. Yeah, you know, he survived. He survived a long time. We don't want to rush him. <laughs> yeah, you know, let him go, go about his business. You know, just anyway. Into it. Anyway. So this is in the age. Thanks, Dad. A UK cat test positive for COVID. That'll do it, won't it? Yep, done. Move on. Move on. Yeah, pretty, moving on. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, a pet cat has become the first animal in Britain to test positive for coronavirus after picking up the infection from its owners. The cat was taken to the vet with shortness of breath and diagnosed with feline herpes virus, a common respiratory infection in cats. However, the samples also tested for COVID-19 as part of a research program at Glasgow's University Centre for Virus Research. It has since made a full recovery. So, I guess... Just one, you know, another animal that's potentially been infected, whether or not, I'm not sure what sort of test they did. It may have been just that, uh, that it had coronavirus in its nasal passages or down its throat when they swabbed it. Yeah. Um, and was it truly an infection? I mean, if it's got herpes as well, herpes causes very similar symptoms in Absolutely. cats. Yeah, yeah. So really hard to know. But then today, yes, there was an article that came in the, in the, in the small paper, today that I saw this morning as I was doing my research. Right. Good. Yes, my, you're my researching Vegemite, it. My Vegemite on toast. <laughs> uh, dog circumference. Is that, ve- is that Vegemite or uh, Malassezia uh, ear, ear discharge? Yum, yum, yum. Ah, yeasty. Yes. Yes. <laughs> now, it shows how I think the papers can, uh, can often um, get, take us down the wrong path and tell us the wrong things. No, really? Not, not oh, the no. media. Oh, no, you'd be shocked news. to hear, mate. Fake you'd be shocked news. to hear. Now, this, the, 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 title is, the title of the article, Dog Succumbs to Virus. Right. Right. That would tell me that the dog died of COVID. Washington, the first dog to test positive for the coronavirus in the United States has died. Bum, bum. After struggling with symptoms familiar to many of the virus's human sufferers. Okay, so that would give me the impression that the dog's died of COVID-19. Yeah. 
Buddy, the seven-year-old German Shepherd became sick in April around the time owner Robert Mahoney was recovering from COVID-19. Mahoney! Yeah, big shout out to all the Police Academy fans out there. You know, Mike Mike Winslow was really one of someone that I looked up to. Buddy seemed to have a stuffed nose and difficulty breathing. His condition only worsened over the following weeks and months. Mr. Mahoney and his wife who live in New York, eventually euthanized the dog on July 11th after Buddy began vomiting blood clots, urinating blood, and was unable to walk. A clinic was able to confirm Buddy was COVID positive. Now, that would give you in any intents and purposes that the dog died of COVID-19. Yes. I know for a fact that dog had lymphoma and died from lymphoma. Lymphoma. From from Facebook people who work at that clinic where that dog is. Yeah, right. it just shows that anything to make a little bit sensational. I mean, the dog, yes, it did test positive for COVID-19. Yes. But it actually, the symptoms it got were for lymphoma, which is a, a cancer in the, in the white cells or the, you yep. know, in the bloodstream of, of dogs and, and well, gets and all around, gets all around the body. They're exactly. the, the, the lymphocytes are cells that have got the access all areas passed. So it's one of those cancers where usually if you get it in one place, it can be, everywhere and yeah, german so, shepherds unfortunately we know they, they they can get every disease that we've got in the pathology yes, book so yes they're, so there is they certainly um certainly it's a horrible situation but it, it goes to show that if you read that and you didn't know any of the backstory and you didn't listen to the podcast there you, you go would, you wouldn't appreciate that uh that that is media sensationalism at its best yeah or worst, worst. Yeah. Yeah, that's right by the ones <laughs> Yeah. We've been doing this for too long, mate. We sort of know each other's dance routines now. It's great. Exactly. And I know that you're going to talk about Botswana elephants, mate. Oh, my goodness. You're, you know, the, the intuition that we have and your ability of being able to read the run sheet is uncanny. Thank um, you. Okay. So, so, so in my research this morning of where I got went to ABC News and Googled Animal News, um, there was uh, one that's come up uh, yesterday about Botswana says a natural toxin could be behind ah. the elephant deaths. Wow. So this is from um, uh, yeah, just on ABC. I think they've... Um, uh, pardon the pun, but poached it from another, uh, another story, but um, the mystery surrounding surrounding hundreds of sudden elephant deaths in Botswana seems to have been solved. I don't know about solved, but I think they've got something else to, that they're thinking might be going on. More than 350 elephants were reported to have died in Botswana in recent weeks, but the cause of death had remained unknown. Now the country has pointed to a naturally occurring toxin as a probable cause, according to a senior wildlife official. Right. Wow. Here's what we know about the investigation into the elephant deaths. Wow. So earlier this month, Botswanan officials launched an investigation after Elephants Without Borders, EWB, a conservation organization reported that its own aerial surveys showed elephants of all ages appeared to be dying. The group counted 169 dead elephants on May 25th and another 187. I thought that was one of my kids making noises. Or I thought maybe you got a bit of borborygmus there. Can you tell I finally worked out how to get it? effects again. Can you tell I finally worked out how to get it? I thought that was just you you blowing your nose, mate. You know, you're just due uh, for another COVID test. So what you, what, Big what, what, going, what, mate. You, you got your poor daughters locked up under the under the stairs, Harry Potter style there. Keep going, Robbie. Keep going. Very easy to keep going. Um, several live elephants that we observed appeared to be weak, lethargic, and emaciated. 
which makes you think that it's um, probably um, you know, not necessarily a, an infection per se, more something that they might have been getting exposed to. Some elephants appeared disoriented, had difficulty walking and showed signs of partial paralysis or a limp. One elephant was observed walking in circles and unable to change direction, although being encouraged by other herd members. Oh, wow. Mr. Chase also said that urgent act action was needed to establish if the deaths were caused by disease or poisoning. Authorities have been struggling to establish the cause of death more than two months after carcasses were spotted in the Okabengo Panhandle region earlier this year. Um, conservationists feared that deaths could spiral out of control if a cause could not be established quickly. So um, they're, they're sort of talking that, um, so where the natural toxins are likely the cause, they don't think it's going to be an infectious cause, but I think they're still running tests. So as much yeah, as right they're, you know, they're saying that the problem solved, I don't think it's necessarily the problem solved. I think they, you know, A, they know it's not, people that are killing them B, they don't think it's an infection they're just trying to work out what sort of toxin might be going in. i guess from these clinical signs that they're showing lewis it may be some sort of a neurotoxin that's getting in and uh causing them uh problems yeah wow interesting so maybe it's a vegetation i suppose vegetation something they've gone into i mean similar to see, see a lot with horses or cattle that get into certain fields of of certain My grass uh, staggers yeah, that's right. Phalaris toxicity, all those things we don't know anything about. Don't know anymore. anything about anymore. Not not one iota. But once upon a time we learned about them, didn't we? Oh, well, it's um, it's good they've I suppose getting a little bit towards the possibility of knowing what the problem is, so maybe they can do something about it. And I guess yeah, once they know what the toxin is, they can work out where the toxin's coming from, and then start and stop the the elephants from getting in there. So, and yep. it sounds like there's you know, I'm sure if they'd still been losing hundreds and hundreds of elephants day after day after day, you'd be hearing more and more and more about it. So it might have been something that grew up in the in in the grass in the environment at a certain time, maybe after rainfall or something like that. And now it's gone away. Yeah. Um. So uh, now speaking of um strange things, Lewis, was on the same my same research mission um this morning um did you know that spiders can regrow their legs i had a sense that they might be able to but i wasn't totally sure so um there was in uh on abc news um abc north queensland where all the interesting you know stories come from um uh, posted yesterday by natalie fernbach and jessica norton Huntsman Spider Rescue and Rehabilitation earns Townsville Woman Peter Animal Hero Award. Oh, right. That's so, Peter. Is it P-E-T-A? P-E-T-A. Right. Yeah, so so, yeah. so let, let's, let's all just forget about what um, apprehensions you have of Peter at the moment and let's just uh, use this as, a, as an interesting story about what happens with spiders. That's not the name of the mayor, is it, Peter? Peter, no, 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 no. no, no. Yeah, this is a, this checking. is all all capitals, all yes. capitals. P E T A. Right. Yeah. The funny thing is, is that you know the when they've handed the lady the um the the uh, her her little certificate, she's wearing a fur skin coat. So you know it's a bit. <laughs> no, no, she's not. I don't want to. Maybe seal. I've I've already I've already had the militant diabetics after me in the you know the last twelve months. I don't need <laughs> Peter coming after me as well. Well, um, Pete Evans is coming. He's coming for you. <laughs> Um, when Alina Walsh found an emaciated huntsman spider with only two legs, she did what most people would never consider doing. She saved its life. Well, hang, on, hang on a second. Just wind back yep. a sec. You're, you're a veterinarian, Robert. You see animals of, you know, all different breeds. And we do occasionally see, you know, birds and maybe a stick insect or a fish or something a little bit weird. And, and 90% 90, 90 ragdolls. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you? You, would you be able to recognise a, a huntsman if it was emaciated, mate? Would you? 
Well, it is interesting that you say that. I mean, how do we usually interpret emaciationism, Lewis? Usually by trying to feel the ribs. Now, now I don't, I don't know if you can, I don't know if spiders, if huntsmen have ribs, Lewis. Yeah. You know? Well, or, or a body condition score. Is there a chart that you can look at on the oh, wall? Oh, jeez, I hope there's a chart in the clinic. Got on the wall. You say your your cat's a, a one to a five. Your huntsman is from a one to a three, and that's a three. It's emaciated. There it is, right, right there. Mind you, though, if this huntsman's only got two legs, it's automatically going to weigh less than what your standard breeds, yes. breed normal would do for a huntsman. So maybe that's how they were judging the emaciatedness of this huntsman was the fact that it weighed much lighter. Possibly. And if those legs that were attached to ribs and it lost a rib as well, then when you're feeling for those ribs, they're not there. So you're not sure. And unless you're thinking that the legs are ribs. <laughs> Uh, the Townsville resident has now been recognised by animal rights group Peter Australia for her efforts in rescuing and rehabilitating the injured spider. Of course. Ms. Walsh, Ms. Walsh received the Hero to Animals Award after she hand-fed the spider, nicknamed Peggy, for a month while it grew its legs back. When wow. she found the yeah, when she found the arachnid, she is suspected it had been attacked by a gecko or a bird. Nothing saying here about whether or not the people that um, looked after that wombat rescue place had been seen <laughs> in the area of far north Queensland with an axe. No mention of that, but I'm just putting it out there. That, no you know, mention that a husband had previously been sweeping the cobwebs off the front porch with a broom, a pie. The, the, or that they've got one of those vacuum cleaners with the motorized heads <laughs> yeah. and it just got caught under it like a Zamboni. Like a frog in a blender, or a huntsman in a, in a vacuum. <laughs> huntsman in a Nutribullet. Um, initially, my thought was she wasn't going to make it and I considered putting her out of her misery, Miss Walsh shed. And how would she have done that, I wonder? Uh, Humanely. Thong. It's a thong, North Queensland. You know, it's the, the national footwear of North Queensland. It's a thong. Right. Thongs. We had the thong song on earlier, didn't we? We did have the thong song on earlier. Um, I did a quick Google search and found out that spiders can, in fact, regrow legs. So I thought I would give it a go. I'm a huge animal lover. Normally, huntsmen aren't my favourite choice of animal, but I kind of felt sorry for her and tried to help out. Now... We're talking Instagram here. So Peggy, the two-legged spider, had her own Instagram oh, account, right, with 1,700 followers. So we've got, we've got Peggy, the two-legged huntsman, covered. Yeah, which so, is over 2,000, aren't we? Yep, yep. So, so that must mean that if Peter are keeping an eye on, you know, 1,700 followers of two-legged spiders, they must be keeping an eye on us too. So we better be careful here. Yes, yep. Um, so growing six legs in a month. Was it, was, huntsman wasn't wearing a bikini, was it? I, I, hashtag spider bikini. No, I don't think so. Right, just funny. Just, just checking. Might yeah. get a few extra extra followers. So yeah. Who knows? Yeah, well, maybe some papers written about it by middle-aged oh. men who have you know, oh, <laughs> different, differing opinions on what, what happens in the world in 2020. Mish Walsh, Ms. Walsh spent a, month, spent a month feeding the spider small cockroaches with tweezers. And in that time, the spider was able to regrow six small legs, which became visible and functional after a molt. Um, that's M-O-U-L-T, not your M-A-U-L-T that you like putting in, in your chocolate thick shakes. Yes. Um, 
Miss Walsh have a, has a pet tarantula and scorpion and had, a, had an idea of how to feed the huntsman. She plans to keep Peggy in her care until the spider has one more molt and her new <laughs> legs are more robust. Now that she has got her legs back, she is able to hunt quite well on her own, but the ones that have regrown are quite a bit smaller. So this is a whole Lieutenant Dan thing going on here. Forrest Gumpian, you know. Peggy, you've got new legs. You've got new legs, little Lieutenant Peggy. Amazing. She's got form, hasn't she? She's already got a tarantula. What was the other thing she's got? Scorpion. Scorpion. She sounds like your run-of-your-mill pet owner there. Golly, yeah. that's impressive. I wonder whether or not Peter were upset for the fact that she does actually still keep a tarantula and scorpion. Yes. You know, out, outside of the... Well, what did Peter realm. have to say? What did Peter say about the uh, the cockroaches that sacrificed their lives to feed the the the, 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 um, the what was it the huntsman is huntsman yes is there a, yes. is there a pecking order in the insects is there that a cockroach is lower than a than a huntsman I think it's I think it's an Orwellian thing here of eight legs good eight le- eight legs good <laughs> six legs bad right there you go I think well yeah. the, the huntsman only had six legs so how could she define that as or started bad. as two yeah so, no. so from an Orwellian thing yeah two legs bad yeah but the huntsman only had six legs when she started. No, no, the huntsman had two legs. Oh, only two legs. I only thought it grew two, two legs. legs. Oh, right. Oh, no, yeah. it's so it grew six. Oh, start again. Start oh, okay, again. right. So this is from far north Queensland. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's where all the good stories come from. All the Tell good me stories more. come from. So an emaciated huntsman, <laughs> and you'll find out they're, they're emaciated, Lewis, because their legs are like their ribs. There's right? a poster so, on the wall. There's a, yeah, there's a chart. You get a chart. You get a chart from the Huntsman Pet Food Company. Actually, Peter, Peter themselves put out a Huntsman body conditioning chart, so that way anyone in Far North Queensland that wants to try and look after a Huntsman is able to is, is able to gauge whether or not their Huntsman is emaciated or not. I wonder if they've got a. I wonder if they've got a cockroach chart. So the, uh, number one, you know, fat cockroach eating a bit of cake, and number yes. number seven is the cockroach stuck on the tweezers. Uh, yeah, That's a skinny one. It's it's less the 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 cockroach chart from Peter I believe is less of a a body condition one and more of a taste chart. So it's like you know okay right yeah and and calorie counting for those huntsmen that you know you can't feel their ribs anymore. So they've had to try and work out okay right well um you know, do you go for a a low calorie cockroach or a high calorie cockroach? I reckon we need to get under the slammer, mate. Why not? Well, you don't, you don't want to keep going on about this for a while. That's why you're shining, shining the light in my face, yes. trying, to, trying, yes. trying to get me moving on. Yes. All advice on this show is generally nature, so please consult your veterinarian before following any advice for your pet. We do our best to provide the most up-to-date information as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing. Please let us know if we've missed anything or if you need Lewis's uh, cockroach feeding chart. Um, <laughs> let's have a break. Hey, Robbie, I'd love to give a shout-out to our friends at PetSure for their awesome free webinar series. Yeah, man, I heard about those. Aren't they called Pause and Learn, as in (laughs) P-A-W-S? I see what you did there. Oh, mate, there's nothing like a good acronym. It got your attention. (laughs) It certainly did, mate. But seriously, the PetSure webinars cover some amazing topics, though. They sure do. There's one on COVID-19 and pets, very topical, and essential viewing for all 
concerned parents in this COVID-19 world. Indeed, mate, and for vets as well. Oh, you're absolutely right. There's also another one called setting up your new pet for success. And here's one that's really important, helping pets avoid separation anxiety. That'd be right in your wheelhouse, wouldn't it? Oh, mate, love that. Anything on behaviour, that's absolute gold. Oh, mate, it's all gold, gold, gold for pet sure here. And you know they're presented by Pet Shores Chief Vet Dr. Danny Hulhan, friend of the podcast, and also they have a range of other pet experts for each topic, so you know you're getting the good stuff. Oh, mate, that sounds great. So to learn more about these webinars or to register, visit petsure.com.au slash webinars. Registration is free, but spots are limited, and since we've just registered, two less... So make sure you secure your spot today. Oh, T's and C's apply. Visit petshaw.com.au for more information. Alrighty, we're back. We're back. We've uh, I've gone off and fed the, the two legged huntsman that I've that I've, <laughs> that I've been keeping in the in the shower. Oh, geez, I'm, I'm, I was worried what you were talking about there, mate. I mean, you saw you go, go on and feed the two. I, I mean, the screen, oh, no. the screen went dark there for a little while. I'm not sure what was going on. <laughs> so, mate, what do you got for us this week? Okay, so um, I, I wanted to um, have a little uh, a little ode to um, to one of our uh, our Patreon subscribers, Cat's um, uh, old Wes. Um, he was a, an old kitty cat. He didn't like coming and seeing me very much, Lewis, but I liked seeing Wes quite a bit. Um, he, uh, he he was put to sleep this week, so um, so you know thoughts go out to Trace. Um, you know, hope hope you're doing okay. Um, but I just wanted to. Uh, we'd spoken about it before about uh, old cat disease. Diseases, but um, it, it sort of made me think when I was thinking about Wes with all the things that he had going on that old cats tend to not just like to get one disease. They like to try and have multiple diseases, um, you know, because the older they get, the, the more things that they can accumulate. So, yep. um, you know, I just thought we'd just have a quick sort of rehash through the things that if you do have an old cat or you've got a cat that's starting to get older, a few things just to try and sort of keep a, keep an eye on. Because I think the, the, the hardest thing with cats is that they're sedentary at the best of times. So they always seem to spend a lot of time sleeping. And um, as they get older, okay, they might might seem like they're sleeping more, but are they sleeping more because there's something wrong? Yeah, exactly. you know, are they sleeping more because they're painful or because they don't have the energy or because they've got toxins building up in their blood? All of those things will make what was already already a sedentary creature get even more sedentary. Yeah, and well, normal cat sleeps on average 21 hours a day, so you got three hours to work out if they're okay or not. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and 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 that three hours, you know, uh, an hour of that's going to be spent getting from the cat litter tray to the food to your lap where then they're just going to keep on sleeping. So, so the, the, the window of opportunity Lewis is very, is very narrow. So, um, and I think one of the big things, so I, I did, um, uh, uh, veterinary behavior specialist, Kirsty Sexel did a, um, a webinar during the week where she was talking about, um, fear and anxiety and talking about pain. And, um, and she sort of you know, had a couple of anecdotes about how different our, as a, as an industry and as pet owners, our perception of pain has become, um, you know, even since when we graduated. So I think I was, I was thinking back, can you remember if we had any decent pain relief for cats available when we graduated? I think the only thing we had was, um, it was, um, uh, it was a, a, there was an anti-inflammatory. It wasn't meloxicam. It was keto, um, keto, ketofen. Ketofen. 
Yeah. Ketophen, yeah. And even then, I think you're only allowed to use that for like three days or something like that. You and know, it was scary stuff too. It often oh. shot their kidneys. Yeah, the side, the side effects were horrific. Yes. Um, so, so it's really only been in the last, well, certainly 15 years that we've been realizing just how important and how debilitating pain is, but also then the effects that pain can have on the the overall outlook and quality of life of the of the pet. So um, I didn't want to just only talk about pain. I wanted to just sort of quickly run through, and I know we're sort of running short on time. So, no, you're up. Um, so um, I've sort of broken it down into a few different sort of major, major groups. Um, metabolic disease, pretty common in cats, you know, um, they, these are the ones we've spoken before about, you know, it's an internal disease, often the ones where cats, it's then causing drinking more, weighing more, weight loss, you know, it can be vomiting and diarrhea as well. Um, really common ones, kidney disease, where the kidneys are unable to retain water and excrete waste. So therefore you end up getting dehydrated and get the waste building up in your blood. Yeah. Um, so come back to metabolic disease. What are you talking yes. there? Sort of overactive, th- like hypothyroid, that was my next one. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. So metabolic. What do you look at metabolic? What was so, it? So, so I, I consider metabolic disease to be anything that's happening internally. So, right, so right. H- hormone disease or, you know, um, filtering disease, if you will. So, so kidney disease, thyroid disease, diabetes. Oh, sorry. So these are under, sorry. I jumped ahead yeah. there. Mate. And, and, yeah. Under under that heading. Yeah. yeah right. um, you know, and you've got liver disease in there as well, but I don't think liver disease is as common as what those ones are. And liver disease usually is being handheld by other, other ones of the disease diseases that are going on anyway. Um, and the thing with all three of those, it's those clinical signs I was talking about at the start, weight loss, drinking more, weighing more, you know, seeing signs like that, that's a cat that needs to have blood tests and urine tests to work out what's going on. Um, because those diseases, while you can't cure them, they are manageable, you know, and if you manage them early, it makes management a lot easier. Um, dental disease, so all often missed because the mm. cats still eat. And so there's that um, misnomer that if your animal's eating, it doesn't matter how bad their teeth are, their teeth aren't hurting. It's like, mm. yeah, no, not at all. You know, the cats just don't want to starve. That's so right. They have to eat. They're hungry. They want to eat. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so I say to people, look, it's the, their amount of hunger is higher than their amount of pain. So they're going to eat until their amount of hunger is the same as what it is of their pain. And they go, right now I've had enough. Yeah. Until they get hungry enough, they go, right now I'm going to start trying to eat through the barbed wire that I've got in my mouth. Mm. Um, and again, we've spoken about the different types of diseases that cats can get in their mouths, the weird resorptive lesions where cats start to dissolve away their roots, which can be really painful. Um, your good old periodontal disease where you've got infection under the gums and around the roots um, and also inflammatory diseases, things like the lymphocytic plasmacytic gingivostomatitis where the cat's immune systems are causing yeah. like a really marked inflammation in their mouth all painful, painful diseases, but the cats will still eat. So just because your cat's eating doesn't mean it's in oral pain. Um, arthritis, so musculoskeletal. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm right that 90% of cats over the age of 12 have got arthritis. I think that's the number that I've um, that I can remember hearing. Yeah, I could have looked it up, but I'm pretty sure that's the one that I've got in my head. That's what I tell people anyway, Lewis. Um, Sounds feasible. Cats will still move. That's the thing. Mm. They'll move and they won't vocalize. Even though they are moving around and they often don't limp the same way as what dogs do, they just change their behavior. Sleeping more, interacting less, not jumping up as much, not being able to jump up and down as freely. They're all the signs of a cat that is in pain. 
Um, the and it sometimes the signs are really subtle, um, and so it might be a matter that you're going in and talking to your vet at your annual health check or your senior health check, and your vet will go, "So how are they? Act, uh, how are they moving around?" They go, "Oh, look, I think it's sleeping a bit more." Go, oh, okay, right, well, it's sleeping a bit more. Have a feel of your knees and elbows. Well, hang on, these are actually feeling a bit thickened. We might have some disease here. Let's get your cat on some pain relief because, you know, really you're. you're of all the things that we can do in this job, Lewis, taking away pain, I think, should be the bare minimum. Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely, mate. Agree, totally. Uh, cardiac, so heart disease. Yes. Um, you know, there's this is one of those ones where it can either be primary heart disease or it can come along secondary to other stuff, um, particularly the hypothyroidism we were talking about before. Um, basically, you know, your heart's not pumping right, so you're not getting as much oxygenated blood around, so you're feeling a little bit sleepy. Also, you're getting fluid accumulating in your lungs, so then you can't breathe as well. But they don't cough like dogs do. So dogs will give you overt clinical signs that they've got heart disease. Cats don't, often until they are pretty close to, mm. you know, having some big problems. Mm. So look for those subtle signs. Um Neoplastic, so cancer slash inflammatory. Um, <clears throat> I've kind of bundled a whole lot of diseases in here in one just because I really only just wanted to talk about one of the ones that's probably the most common. You were mentioning earlier about the, um, the COVID German Shepherd having lymphoma. It's a really common um, disease that cats can get where they get an elementary lymphoma. So it's in their gastrointestinal tract and it can be really, really tightly related to inflammatory bowel disease. So really common in these old cats that... You know, they're losing weight. They might have vomiting and diarrhea. You do blood tests, you get nothing. You go, oh, it doesn't look like it's a metabolic disease. Um, you check their teeth out. You go, oh, okay, well, we've, we've sorted their teeth. Um, but then suddenly the, the cats are still losing weight or still showing other signs. You go and do some more tests and you find that, well, hang on, they've actually got infiltrative disease in their bowels, you know. Um, can be a really hard one to try and spot because often you need to do more tests to try and get to the bottom of it. Yep. Um, and, and last one then neurological. So problems up in the brain. Um, you know, you can get your, your, your sort of standard inverted commas, cognitive dysfunction, you know, your, your kitty cat Alzheimer's, you know, degenerative brain disease. But often that, that goes hand in hand with things like vascular accidents. So where you've had a, a bleed in your brain, um, you can have growths growing in your brain like cancers and things like that. And those changes in the brain can either be very gradual or they can be really sudden. And that's what happened with my old mate, Wes. He, um, he, he, had, um, he had kidney disease. We were treating him for arthritis. Um, we were do, you know, treating him for a few different things, like um, treating him for the uh, inflammatory bowel disease, low-grade elementary lymphoma. Um, and he was, wow. he, he was doing well. We had a great quality of life. I only saw him about sort of four or five weeks ago for his, um, some more arthritis treatment. And um, yeah, he, he woke up yowling in the middle of the morning one morning and and uh, yeah, it was showing some really weird neurological signs. So yeah, he may have had a bleed or something like that in his brain that caused an acute brain injury. So, um, you know, wow. The, the, I guess the, my, my take home message for old cats, you know, and it's not all doom and gloom because old cats can still have a great quality of life, but we've got to go looking for them. We need to go looking for the things that are affecting that quality of life because realistically, I think you've got to be in for a good time because you sure as hell can't live forever. Yeah. So you might as well make the time that you're going to be around as good as what you can. Well put, mate. Well put. I think I think the only one I'd probably add in there is the arthritis. Sometimes 
uh, cats start missing the litter tray. You know, if they have trouble jumping over the side of the litter tray, that's often something we see too. And and yeah. then probably the other one that perhaps rings with me from the behaviour aspect is cats start howling or yowling at night time and um, and keeping owners up, which has got to be distressing, obviously distressing for the owners, but it's got to be distressing for the cat. I've got um, a case at the moment. I'm really, you know, it's always a way, but the one of the owners, um, uh, she's a second year vet student. So, um, ah, right. uh, so there's going to be something wrong with the cat. Exactly. Know? Yes. Very complex case that, you know, I've been through all the medications and everything. We've tried all the behavior modification to get it to stop yelling at night. And, um, and seemed like every, everything we tried, there was something that happened. You know, we tried this medication. Oh, it got diarrhea. It's like, well, I don't think that normally causes diarrhea. That's, that's seems really weird. I've never heard of that happening ever. I yeah. will try this medication. Oh, I won't eat it now. It's bitter. Oh, it's not normally bitter. It doesn't, it doesn't normally <laughs> taste. Okay. That's a bit strange. But finally, I think we got something. So this, this cat was, uh, you know, howling all night and finally we've got something to, um, to help it get some sleep, turn the light on, um, wake it up a bit during the day, keep, you know, keep it moving during the day. So it's more likely to sleep at night, some yeah, food, yeah. some time feeders, that sort of thing. But yeah, exactly. Mate. Um, difficult, you know, we, we did full bloods. I fully expected something else to be wrong with the, the cat. I think it's 15 or 16 years old, but totally healthy cat. Or, you know, nothing that we could find on bloods and blood pressure was normal. Everything was seemed okay. Vision's all good. So, yeah. Um, but just one of those ones, the older cats where you're just really struggling to give them a good, good night's sleep really for the whole family. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and speaking of uh, of, of cats, uh, you got a question from. Uh, we'll hit the mailbag because uh, that's me all done for for our Wes. So, so yeah, you know, good on you, Wes. You know, you're a uh, you're a good cat. Um, yeah. uh, t- tell us about uh, your que- question we got from Nicole from Vet Kinol. Oh, well, we heard from Nicole from from Vetikinol. She's uh, Vetikinol, one of our sponsors. Um, provide us, uh, you know, um, the Zilkina and also the Sonatix uh, ear cleaner. Um, she says, "Hey, Lewis, it's Nicole here. Hope you're well. Um, I just listened to the Fars episode, so that was uh, for for listeners." I think that was episode 112 from memory. I wrote it down somewhere. Oh, I remember it fondly. Yeah, where we talked about feline audiogenic reflex seizures. So this is where cats have funny seizure responses to noises in their environment. And I had a cat that the owners would flick the tines on a comb the little, uh, little things on the comb make a noise and that would make them seizure or the, I think it was the clicking of the, uh, the gas, lighting the gas stove set another cat off as well. So she, she says, I've just listened to the Fars episode of my 20 year old girl. I, I assume she means a cat has this 20 years old. Wow. That's, that's, that's right up the pointy end of the bell curve there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, her, uh, she has full on seizures. She's had three full on seizures. One caused by my suitcase wheels clicking on the tiles. Right. As I, as, as I was wheeling it one by my mountain bike with the click of the wheels. It makes when you backpedal on it. Oh yes. And the third from her own metal tag clicking on her metal water bowl. Wow. How about that, eh? Gee, that's a, that's a bit dangerous there. If you're over the water bowl, you're having a seizure, you'll end up yeah. going for a swim. Yeah, well, yeah, true. She has micro ones all the time. She actually sent me a video too, which is great. We have to be careful, like the sound of the keyboard on the phone when you're typing a message, the clicking of your t- her tongue. You know, you can't do that sort of yeah. scenario. Her shoes on the tiles, probably the more pointy shoes, I imagine. Similar yes. to yourself, mate, that, that you get to... It sets off um, Christina's seizures when you walk around. On, on it's the it's the best way. It's the best way for me to do my calf my calf work. <laughs> 
Calf as in the muscle, not the animal. No, no, absolutely. No, no, I don't, I don't tenderize the calves with my, um, I've actually gone really low meat eating now. Like I've, I've dropped off all, a lot of, you know, like sort of I'm 85% vegetarian now. Oh, so fantastic, very, mate. We might get a certificate from Peter soon. It's, 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 it's almost like the 90%, uh, 90% ragdoll. <laughs> 90%, yeah. Yeah, 90% apart from the steaks and yeah. sausages and bacon. <laughs> Hamburgers, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's something we have to be super aware of, trying not to cause her any full-on seizure. I can uh, stay sane during lockdown and please, at some stage in the future, could Get you... Get Deb on the show. Have you you've read my emails now, mate? What's going on there? Oh, I just got a, I just got a feeling. <laughs> so, And then she did send a video, which was just uh, old... Um, her old kitty cat doing a few little head nod sort of things. I think she yeah, said right. um, when she was clicking her fingers, I said, please don't trigger the cat to have a full blown <laughs> one. That's not the video I want. Not, not, not on our, but not, not just for us, you know? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I said, did you learn? I said, did you learn the, about it from, from the podcast? Yeah. Um, and she said, no, a vet in Brisbane knew, knew about it uh, or just learned about it. Um, uh, he hadn't really heard podcast. of it. it sorry. From listening to the podcast. Yes, it probably did. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, so yeah, thank you very much, Nicole. And um, uh, there's um, much appreciated sending in a video and a little bit of a feedback. Hopefully other other listeners have been educated by the show at times too, mate. Nice. And speaking of videos, if anyone's got a uh, compulsion to do it, the um, the video uh, that from my interview with uh, Ella and friends from the uh, the, the koala um, is up on YouTube now. Woo-hoo! So, so we'll have a we'll have a link to that. And so if anyone wants to go and watch me talking to a uh, talking to a koala, um, you can uh, go and check that video out. Fantastic, Max. So you're going to put that link in the uh, in the show notes, is that right? Well, we'll have it in the show notes, and we'll put it on the um, on the the, the uh, on the Facebook page as well. Oh, fantastic, mate! And uh, that that went well. Oh, it was great. The kids love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There was, uh, the only thing is, I, I sort of missed the um like when the, when the listeners are watching it. There, there was a part where he's talking about um, uh, what what Kirby, what do you eat? And he says, oh, I like eating um, I like eating leaves. I've actually emailed you through the link so you can um, see it too. But um, they've, uh, he's gone, oh, you know, I like eating leaves, but then I get a little bit sleepy. And I, you know, afterwards thought, oh, I should have said, oh, geez, I'm glad you're eating the leaves and not the buds then. Otherwise you'd sleep for a week. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, I did, I didn't say it, you know, because I know, I know that young Ella wouldn't have, wouldn't have, wouldn't have got it, but you know, it would have been, would have been a, a little, a little Easter egg for the, uh, for the grown ups that are watching. It's a kid show. There it is. Oh, there we go. This is great for the listeners. Hello and welcome to Ella and Friends. In this episode, Kirby and I visit Dr. Robbie at the Waverly Animal Hospital. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> oh, very. Are you wonderful? Let me go and grab him for you. Oh, this is gorgeous, mate. Dr. Robbie? Oh, yes, Emily. There he is. Kirby now to see you. Fantastic. Very good. Thank you very much. Excellent. All right, we won't bore the the, uh, the podcast <laughs> listeners that you can kick on YouTube and go and watch. That's very good, mate. I like it. Very cute. Very, very cute. Terrific. Thank you very much. Oh, that means a lot for you to say. Um, so, uh, yeah, everyone go and check it and leave a like on it and share it because, uh, you know, um, uh, Darren, uh, who's uh, Kirby's very good friend, and uh, and Ella, they're, um, they, they were good sports doing that. So that was fantastic. Good I can see you've already viewed it 147 times, mate. So, yeah, well done. Abs- That's good. Uh, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Every every night I try and get on there and, and click on it again. Um, uh, so uh, if, if you'd like to support the podcast, go to Patreon, um, uh, search Two Vets Talk Pets. Uh, find us at Facebook, find us on the Instagram, um, you know. The Talk Talk? Oh, the Talk Talk. Yes. I haven't yeah. done one for a while. A little maybe, bit busy. Maybe, maybe you can cut up one of the videos of me, um, one of the little bits from me uh, uh, talking to the butt, talk, talking to Kirby. Yeah, we can Talk Talk that. Great idea, and, and mix it in with the the Nicole's um, cat having little seizures. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Episode two twenty one, uh, a, a koala puppet and a seizure and cat. Um, two twenty one, mate, pushing us way ahead. One twenty one. Oh, crikey! Yeah, wow. Three, three years in, in advance. Um, I'm be so bald yeah, by then. Check, check us. <laughs> bald, eh? What? That's that, that's, that's, that's what you were shining the light at with me. You're just keep, keeping on dropping your head down. I was like, oh, geez, oh, sorry, geez, Pete Evans. That. That's it, yeah. Eve Black, Bunnings. Peter. Me. Everybody's yeah. Everybody's throwing shade on today. Yeah. Peter, I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there, mate. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm like a shock jock. Ladies re- rehabilitating their huntsman. Two legs. Jeepers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, why? Why? Anyway. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you very much. We're, I think that's a wrap. Peace out, bye. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or send an email to Two Vets Talk Pets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at Vet Behaviorist, and more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five-star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle.